So is that is that juicy enough? You don't give me that smile like you always say that, Bob. Well, you do always say that, Bob. We're like an old married couple. You know that? It's true. It's so bad when people on Twitter point that out about us. And then then my wife agrees with them. It's it's true. All you do is smile. And I'm like, I know what he means. And I resent that. Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. <laughs> and I've rendered him speechless. This and I'm Bob Galen. Oh, dang it. He's back. Welcome to the intro, everyone. Yes. So we're here and we're going to make it quick because I know we tend to get long-winded and this old married couple likes to talk and have fun. Um, but today's episode is all about estimates and no estimates and the no estimate movement that's out there and even spearheaded by some of our Agile Podcast Network friends that are out there. So we talk about pros and cons of that and our view of that approach. The other thing, I think in this case, sometimes in the Metacast, we talk about something that we know a lot about. Uh, and we mm-hmm. share our, and, and we know a lot about a lot of things. But this is something, the no estimates, the hashtag no estimates movement is something that people have been uh, prodding Josh a little bit, uh, if both professionally. It's like, why don't you try this and then give us a readout? Uh, and I'm not that expert in it as well. So the I think we have a valuable, I, I like what we've talked about in the episode, but if you have any feedback, send it to us for the episode, because I'd like to build on what, if we say something mm-hmm. wrong, or mm-hmm. if you can, so don't necessarily flame us, but have a yes and view. Like, yes, we like what you said, but here, you know, yes, but here's a, here's a shift or yes. And there's a little twist here. Cause I'd like to build on our view on no estimates and see yeah. what the value proposition and is. And we're looking at you, Ryan Ripley and Ryan Ripley. Yeah. Or anyone else, but Ryan and other people get off your butt, uh, <laughs> and give us some comments on the episode or offer to come in for no estimates part due. Ooh, an education of the Metacast. Oh, that would be cool. Wow. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. It's we, can, like, we can probably make that happen. We could make that happen. So whatever. So give us feedback. Okay. It's right, a cool. good episode, yep, yep. but give us feedback if we've got if we've missed some things. All right. And before we get to the episode. A what, teaser. We oh gotta, God, we got we gotta talk about oh, our sponsors. We have a sponsor. We gotta talk about them. Okay. We gotta talk about them. Techwell? Techwell. Techwell's been with us for a while. I know. Techwell's our first uh, well, I think so. Yeah. We've had some inner but Techwell's there. Uh, so Techwell does conferences. Is there a Josh Bob? Is there a conference coming up? There is. No way. Agile Dev West. West. Let me guess. Vegas, baby. Yes. That's sir. what I. That's what I thought. How oh, would you? How would you know so much about this I, conference? I have no idea. Metacasters. I'm the program chair for the thing, so I'm a little biased and a little skewed. But it is a it's a it's a great conference. It's in Vegas. It's got pre conference training. It's got a nice lineup of tutorials. If I do say so myself, mm-hmm. uh, I'm there. Uh, Josh, are you coming out there? I am not. I'm oh, not on the program. No. oh, what did I do? What did we do? We dropped the, we dropped the proverbial ball. 
Yep. So there is a hole. There is yep. a hole in the program, but outside of that hole in the program, a right that pre- the previously mentioned Ryan uh, Ripley's there. Mm-hmm. A bunch of folks are there. In fact, Ryan and Faye are doing a paired keynote. Mm. Uh, where they're going to do uh, questions from the audience. So some neat keynotes, uh, neat tracks, DevOps. Uh, software, so three major tracks with multiple subtracks in it. Yeah, uh, agile dev, better software, and DevOps. But I think the key is that if you are listening to us in our hundred and twenty somethingth episode, you obviously kind of like what we're talking about. Number one, we appreciate that. But number two, understand that Bob, as the program chair, if you like what we're saying, you're going to probably like what all these speakers have to say um, because Bob is really focused on trying to continually improve this conference. So he's focused on making this podcast good. He's also focused on making these conferences good. We're, we're, we're talking a lot. I mean, as a, we have a team. So a pro, we have a program team. It's not just me. And I don't make, I try to trust the team. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, but the, you know, I provide guidance and vision and, and then I trust the team to put together some solid programs. But we have mission and vision. We have themes that we want to hit. Uh, and so we try to be relevant. We mm-hmm. try to be, we try to look at newbies. We try to look at really experienced folks. So we try to have diversity. So there's a bunch of factors that come into crafting a program. Uh, and we, we think we're proud of it. Mm-hmm. And we think it really should resonate with a lot of people from diverse backgrounds. We have some, so if you're a leader, I, we think we think you could come there and find something for you. If yeah. you're in a DevOps, if you're a DevOps engineer, we think you could find something. If you're a QA engineer, a tester, uh, automation, we think we know you could find something there. So it's a great. Uh, it sounds like a commercial, and it yeah, is. Yeah, it is. Well, but, speaking but of that, not only do you no, get that. No, no, hold but. it. Conference content, great content. Uh, great program chair, yep, yep. Vegas well, baby, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what else? You what else? We've got a promo code. No, yes, no, sir. yes, sir. We what, do promo uh, code like like money off ten percent off conference registration simply by using the promo code cast eighteen, like C A S T C A S T one eight. That's it. That's it. Uh, uppercase, lowercase, doesn't matter. Take that ten percent. Go right to the roulette table. Put it all on red. Oh, put it on red, and then split the winnings with us. No, 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 oh. no. Give it to the no. They, they, they use the code. They, they, they earned it. Okay, all right, fair right, enough. Right, okay. right. Just give us, send us an email and say thanks. That's it. One Th- word. Y- you know what, Bob? You're right. Thanks. You're right. That's I'm all sorry. I want. Okay. That's all we want out of it. So promo code cast eighteen. Yep. Uh, and it's what June first week in June fifth through the ninth. So, uh, time's a wasting. Yeah. You got to make the case with your boss. You yep. got to make a case with the organization. You got travel plans to make. So don't wait. Don't sit on your hands. Cast 18. Go do it. I want to see you there. I'll be there all week. On to the episode. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. We'll get it right one of these days after 120 some episodes. I, I, we're we're okay. You yeah. know what? If we screw it up every once in a while, Josh, it's just the way it it's is. It's the spice of life. It's and it's the recovery. It's how elegantly and smoothly oh, we recover. Silky, and silky you know smooth. we are silky smooth. Yes, we are. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> we are. So oh. Uh, what are we going to talk about today? So the topic today, I want to just bounce some things off of Bob because I've been 
mentally wrestling myself. If you can imagine that, no sumo suits, none of that. But there's Just, plenty of room up there for there, sumo suits. There is a lot of room up there. There is a lot of room. <laughs> you're you're way too happy about that one. <laughs> it was there, and I took it. Yeah. Yes. So I so I laid that beach ball out there for you. So I've been wrestling with. Speaking of beach balls. Oh, gosh. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I've been wrestling with adopting the no estimates movement. There are some members of the Agile Podcast Network, of which we are a founding member of, that are huge in that direction and actually have been like poking and prodding me to get there. The one thing that keeps drawing me back in is I continue to see tremendous value in planning poker. Right. And having the team have those, those discussions. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. One of the things that stuck with me that I learned from Bob was a story is a promise for a conversation. And I find that that exercise of planning poker and sizing is more about having the conversations that are needed to really understand the story and have it prepped and ready to rock and roll. And I worry if you don't Force yourself to put an estimate on something. Are you really going to have those thoughtful discussions that are needed? Well, and that, and that's where I, that's where I'm at this like impasse where I don't, I don't see a tremendous a lot of value in estimates. We don't publish things like that, and 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 we don't really we pay attention to burn down charts, but not why don't, tremendously. Why don't, we de- why don't we define it first before okay. we jump in? And I'd like you to lead it. Because okay. Like, what is the no estimates movement? And it's, I don't want to just hear, we don't estimate. It's because there's different forms of estimation in agile, right? right? You can estimate tasks on cards in sprint planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can estimate at a release level for forecasting and you can estimate in story points clearly, which is what you were talking about with planning poker. Mm-hmm. And it could be all of those and more. So what, and then what does no mean? Uh, you know, so, so do you shoot a team member if they, if a number escapes their, <laughs> if their lips or what? So what is it? Cause I, I've never been clear on exactly like what's the target of no estimates. Do yeah. You, it, do you know? It does feel a little squishy and I'm sure, I'm sure some of our podcast compatriots will violently disagree uh, because uh, my understanding is it's that there's a belief that the value in estimates are often outweighed by the negatives that when those are held against you and in the end, do those estimates really mean anything? And that's something that I've been coming towards as we've been doing our work is our things end up all about the same size Right. So it, it's, we don't gain a lot from a, from a, now we have this clarity on what we can and can't do. Right. We don't estimate bugs. Our stories are usually in the same ballpark. But again, I keep coming back to the value of those discussions. So I, from my understanding, why don't, why don't it talk- is strictly just there's little return in the agony of coming up with a size. So why don't we try to talk about Maybe this, the two sides of it is a suggestion, which would be what, what is the, the, the sort of anti patterns that estimation can create mm-hmm. that we've seen. Yeah. Uh, but then what is, and you started with this, what is some of the benefits of estimates? Right. right. So let's say you're in a perfect, pristine world where there is no anti patterns. 
So, and and that's actually probably what's driven no estimates mm-hmm. is people have been in anti-patternville, right? Yeah. In places where they use the estimates against them. Why don't we start with the anti-patterns? So the anti-patterns are uh, what leaders uh, historically have always tried to get you to uh, what go down, if you will. Mm-hmm. So they've looked at that as a you know you don't know what you're talking about, right? It's not a, a five. Well, what if you don't test it? What if you don't design right. it? What if you don't can it well can it become a zero? <laughs> can it become yeah. free? And uh so there's a, the number gives a lot of leaders sort of a negotiation mm-hmm. uh number and they just try to cut the number uh maybe their hearts are in the right place. I, how are their hearts in the right place? Like I don't buy that at all. They're trying to solve I mean let's say they're not total jerks and total they're they're trying to what accelerate delivery. They're trying to delay the customer. They're trying to make revenue. Uh, let's just say that, mm-hmm. right? And and now it's malicious what they're doing. It's probably not. It's probably counterproductive. Mm-hmm. But the, but I don't think they're, you know, I think they're serving the business. They're trying to. They're not trying to maliciously undermine the team. They're trying to probably produce positive results. Right. Right. I think their hearts are in the right place. Most of them, maybe eighty percent of them. Uh, but but you negotiate down from numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing you've ever heard is I can't believe it's that, you know, like a plumber comes to your house. Yeah. Like I had my, I had my plumbing redone because the pipes were, uh, the pipes were reacting with chlorine in the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they were recalled and I had to have my entire house replumbed, uh, which is not a cheap thing. I can the, imagine not. Because the plumbing is actually in the walls, yeah. right? So they have to like go inside the walls <laughs> to replumb it. And I remember having like, like what, $15,000. $15,000. What? <laughs> really? Uh, it can't be that much. What if we don't, what if the toilets, what if, the, what if we leave the toilets? Alone? Then I start, right. then like, like I was starting to just sort of cheat, like cheapness. What if we don't do the toilets? Well, then maybe it'll explode, you know, <laughs> up, upwards to you. Well, I don't want that result. So yeah. maybe, maybe we need to do the toilets. So you have number shock, mm-hmm. right? And, and numbers actually can produce that sort of shock effect from people who don't know it. Like mm-hmm. if the homeowner was a plumber or had ever done any plumbing, they would probably be closer to it. So, yeah. so the more abstracted people are from the reality of the work, uh, the more sh- number shock there is. Mm-hmm. So, so there's negotiation and maybe number shock, uh, which affects the team. Yeah. Uh, what else? Anti-patterns. So, it, so in that similar vein, I think it does correlate with closeness to actually doing the work is executive math. Right. So they start doing these math gyrations where you get to, well, we can have a baby in a month, you know, with nine women and all those things. Right. It's like, how do we do that? How do we accelerate that? How do we all these things? So that's project planning. I think that's like dysfunction of project planning. Mm -hmm. If you have like spreadsheets or something, yeah, you can actually do that. You can say, oh, if this epic. Right. If this is a nine, what a nine point epic, I can spread one point per team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and I can have nine teams do it in right. like it's free. I can almost do it in a day. You're mm-hmm. right. And the work doesn't always fall out that way. Right. Uh, the other thing with that is integration time. So depending on how you slice it, it's not just the, it's not the, you know, having a baby analogy, but it's, you know, you may be actually adding a lot of work, mm-hmm. right? So it's not, it may be nine points, but by the time you get done, it's actually like 18 points worth right. of work in a distributed sense or 25 points. So you may have actually doubled the work by, by looking at it as discrete math. 
I, I've seen that dysfunction. Well, and the other dysfunction kind of is in response to the, the initial dysfunction that you talked about where it's sandbagging, right? Because the team knows or somebody knows someone up above them is going to squeeze them on numbers. So they're going to apply a multiplier. And I've done this myself where I just applied a multiplier of plus 25% because I knew that this was as close as we were going to get, but I knew I was going to get squeezed. So I'm automatically doing this. And then you end up playing this like telephone game where you raise the lever here and then you lower the lever here. And did we end up at the same spot or a worse spot or, or, or what? So it's, that dysfunction is not entirely on management, right? We are responsible for it ourselves, and we we well, sometimes we're, well, create we're engaging it. the yeah. game. We're yeah. engaging with the game. We're sandbagging. I mean, I remember doing that. Yeah, and and I actually have had roles where I would inflate on the way up, but then I would be part of the folks who would be trying to deflate it on the way down. So I had like I had an engineering hat, and then I had a management hat, right? And so I was an inflator and a deflator. And it was, it, and each, each, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've been around long. I mean, this was historical. Uh, every level in the org chart would inflate. Yeah. So the developer handing it to the senior developer, the senior developer would inflate. The senior developer handing it to the architect, the architect would inflate. Going to the project manager, inflate. Going to the first level manager would inflate. Going to the second level manager would inflate. So there was all these levels of inflation. It was, yeah. it was incredible. Uh, and they really didn't consider the previous inflation. Right. So, so you'd have like change of tire. Nobody really talked about it. No, no, yeah. no. It was a game. You can't right? say that, right? Yeah. And then, and then, by the time it hit the executive, they were like, "Holy shit! What? You know, a changing a tire is an eighteen-year effort." Right. Oh, okay. So that's not right. So then they would just come in with the sickle, right? And just go whack, right? You get thirty percent. Suck it up, or something like that. Yeah. So, so there's that game. So it does create dysfunctional games. You brought up the team. I actually think, forget leadership. A lot of times, no, est- no estimates, you think of what leadership does. What about, does it create team behavior, uh, like dysfunctional team behavior, uh, like com- competition mm-hmm. or uh, not listening to each other's estimates or something? I think in terms of like developers not listening to, in story points, mm-hmm. developer throws two points, tester throws five points. But in some, a lot of teams and cultures, the two wins. Yeah. Right. So there's sort of, they're not, there, there's weird team based behavior. Or I've seen, uh, I remember at one company, the founder was also the lead developer mm. of a, of a startup. Mm-hmm. And every developer on the team, when they were doing planning poker, they would look at, they would look for tells on his face. So they would say, two, it would be like you and I doing, two. And, and if you, oh, a little bit of sweat surfaced, oh, one, right? Or five. Or a 10 would turn into a 5, would yeah. turn into a, a 2 just by, like you had a twitch. Let's say you have a cold and you sneeze. It's like, holy shit, no, no, it's not 13, it's 1. Uh, and body language would influence it. So people are trying to please. Yeah. Or they're trying to um, meet meet the, the group think. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the, people wouldn't say what they believe. They would say what they think the team wants to hear. Yeah. Or, or there's a norm, and some teams have a norm of going high, and some teams have a norm of going low. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that, and that's not just by leadership driven. That's sort yeah. of the yeah. team culture drives. And that all really boils down to there's lack of trust somewhere across those relationships, either in team, outside of team, upstream, downstream, peer stream. 
right? It's just lack of trust. And, and, and that's where, um, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot here where I've got trust in all, in all the directions that we need that I've started to question, what are we really getting from the estimates that we're doing? But I still, well, the other thing with the estimate, let's keep the dysfunctions going until we poop out is could I add there? We don't freaking know. Yeah. They're estimates. Yeah. Right, like when a carpenter estimates, I had I had my fence replaced. I had three gates in my yard, mm-hmm. uh, an eight foot gate and two four foot gates. On, I have a wood fence around my yard, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy came in and he's like, I mean, he was there for like five minutes. He measured the gates. Yeah, uh, he's I'm, and I didn't had never worked with him before, but it's like he came in. It's a day's worth of work. Uh, he measured the gate. He went and bought enough lumber. Not a lot. He didn't have that much spare. Mm-hmm. So he, he measured the gates. He's been there. He's done this. He estimated. He bought within three boards, the right number of boards, uh, to build the gates, the right hardware. I think he had to run and get a few other, a few things he missed in his estimates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he nailed it. Yeah. Uh, the gates are perfect. Um, I'm pleased with the gates. Right. Um, and it took less time than I think he thought. He thought it was a day. He got out of there by three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Right. So he thought it was a full day. So, so he knows, he knows what he's doing right. and software is not like that. Right. I mean, a few things are like that. Uh, maybe a bug or something if we estimated bugs, but most things are new and mm-hmm. people have, don't have experience with it. So the other, I think the other dysfunction or the other pro, maybe it's not an anti-pattern, but it's, it's always been it, the hidden, I think the hidden absurdity of software estimates is we, we don't freaking know what it is. Right. We're guessing. But see, the problem is no one likes that. Or like we're, we're, no one's comfortable with, with that. guessing, especially upstream. Well, no, if this, like, well, if, why am I paying you? Well, if this guy came to me with the gates, I'm just going to guess. I have no freaking clue. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it's like plus or minus. So I, it, it cost me like whatever, five hundred bucks or eight hundred bucks. You know, it's is eight hundred bucks plus or minus five hundred bucks. Right. He would not have gotten the job. Yeah. Right. Uh, if it would have been a guess, or he'd have done it over the phone. That mm-hmm. would have actually been interesting. Could you go measure the gates for me and just tell me what they are, and I'll give you a guess over the phone? Uh, I probably I wouldn't have gone with it. But they're get, but they are guesses, right? And everyone, everyone knows. I think leaders know their guesses, right? In that padding thing, so one of the drivers for that padding up and pad and <laughs> inflation deflation was we were we were trying to compensate for guess variability. Yeah, right? well, but there, there's there's knowing that and willing and able to support that, right? Like I've worked with people, and this is one of the, the phrases that will haunt me forever, right? There was someone I worked with that just wanted somebody to give a number so they could hang a number on them. And hold their feet to the fire. Oh, that's that another number, that's another dysfunction, right? And just was like, I I don't ever want to work with you again, right? If that's the approach, right? And it was said with pride, like just give me a number and I will hang it on them, and they will deliver or they will die. And it was just like, okay, well, no, I work I work with a guy like that years ago. His name was Hank White. He was the CEO of our company. Yeah. I was the VP of I was the head of development, and. uh he would he would sweet talk me. He'd invite me in. He'd have small talk. And what he wanted from me was not a task number or a story number. He wanted the project number. Mm-hmm. You know how long? Right. You know this this bank is giving us ten million dollars for this piece of software crap. Bob, how long is it going to take? How many people? How many months? And and I would re- I would him and haul because we didn't know mm-hmm. we didn't have so the requirements were crappy etc. Mm-hmm. But eventually he'd wear me down. With with you know cigars and booze and 
women. I'm just kidding. And he'd wear me down and I'd give him a number. And the minute, the minute he had his number, that was it. He was like, all right, thanks, Bob. Yeah, See thanks, you. Bob. <laughs> Got it. And, and that number was etched in his freaking, it's like a tattoo, yeah. right? It was a permanent tattoo. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the Hank White syndrome. So there are people, they actually use it really maliciously mm-hmm. to, because they, what I what I hated about that is you're in denial about the variability and the complexity of software, mm-hmm. right? You're you're looking at it like the guy who's building the gates. Well, yeah, it goes back to all this coming from manufacturing, where you're doing the same thing every yeah, time, and you, you can get predictable with building a gate as long as you're building the same. Like gate the gate every guy day. gave me a number, and yeah. he would have been comfortable with that because there was very low, very very low variability. Mm-hmm. But in software, and Hank Hank was an ex IBMer. So he sort of viscerally knew that, but IBM raised their leaders to ignore that crap mm-hmm. and, and to hang numbers on people. That that was their game, right? Mm-hmm. You 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 know you squeezed them once they had an agreement. You would squeeze them. So I think that's a dysfunction. So that's a lot of dysfunction around estimates. So I can see if you're in an environment where that's happening, where you would want to go no estimates, yeah, right? If you can, what do estimates now after all of that? Do they now? I feel really bad. It's like they totally suck now. But right? it's not the estimates. So so right? now now it's come how now people I'm use the estimates. now I'm circling back to the way you entered. You had a beautiful, not because I've convinced you mm-hmm. or whatever, but you've convinced yourself. But the conversations, right, right, they have incredible value, and the numbers drive team based conversations. Mm-hmm. They, they really do, right? Because you do feel. A little bit of weight around that. And, and, and I've never, like, we had a story that was a 13 point story that just blew up and it is massive and it's not done. But with everything we knew, we all sized it. We all thought that was appropriate and it just blew up in our faces. Right. But that's, and, and I don't hold that against people that now I've got developers that are very prideful and like, Oh gosh, it's 13 point storage. You know, it should be done. It's like, okay, that's not the important thing here. Um, so with the right environment, it can be healthy, but the key is that proper environment so that they don't get abused. Whereas unfortunately estimates that we, as we just talked for, 20 some minutes they get abused like all day every day and multiple times by multiple people right um but it really is something that doesn't force the conversation but it is almost that shepherd it encourages it It encourages the it creates a space uh an ecosystem for conversation and if you do it right and you've seen it with right Mm -hmm. then all all skill sets in the team it actually enables conversations between, like I said earlier, testers and developers, mm-hmm. and maybe an architect and a right. BA and the product owner. They can weigh in and they can use that number. And I didn't realize that. I thought, I thought it was much lighter. I thought it was like one ish or something. It can create this conversation of understanding complexity, mm-hmm. understanding level of effort, understanding like the quality of investment versus the design investment for, for a particular function or feature, right? right? And it's, I mean, you can have that without the numbers, but the numbers really do facilitate that. Yeah. Uh, I'd also say in time box, I was just thinking like, like this, I can see no estimates working better in Kanban organizations mm-hmm. than in scrum organizations. Mm-hmm. Because in scrum, if you think about scrum, we're trying to size, it's a time boxed construct, right? So you're in sprints. Mm-hmm. So you're trying, and there's a deliverable at the end of the sprint. It's, it's really, you know, 
I think the estimates help the team's size work so that they have a demonstrable chunk of work in the time box. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Know, those discussions, uh, the notion of pointing, the notion of estimation, I can see that having value in chunking appropriately mm-hmm. so that you can have a successful chunk delivered. Whereas if you're in free flow, there's less impetus. Like, I, I don't know if I would want no estimates in a scrum environment. You know, it would just be harder for the team. Mm-hmm. I think it would be harder for the team to say, here's our sprinkle well, and here's our chunk of work. Here's our commitment it, level for it. So that's one of those things where I've really wrestled with it because as I go and look at our history of our data across the sprints we have, we end up doing about the same number of stories and the same number of bugs in each sprint. So, I get down to what can I optimize? What are the things I can improve? Are we really getting value from that refinement and estimation? I mean, I mean, you must be doing something. I think part of no estimates is how you break stories down, isn't it? It may not be part of the discussion. This is a question mm-hmm. more than a statement. But there are there are folks that if you break all your stories down into approximately four point, let's say five point sizes, right? well then, and if you do that without... Let's say you do that with points and then you get so good at it, you just, it becomes natural Mm -hmm. and you don't have to break out the the planning poker cards. So everything is plus or minus a five. Right. Well, then, then your velocity is, is not points. Right. It's things. It's things. Mm -hmm. And we roughly get five things done per sprint. And if your bugs are like that, we get five mm-hmm. thing, we get five feature things and two, three bug things done per sprint. This mm-hmm. team roughly does that. That makes sense to me. I, I, I think, I think if you're doing no, if you, if you break things down, if you naturally sort of have an affinity to sizing things at, at the similar level, then that, that's sort of a segue to no estimates. Right. Did you buy that? Yeah. Well, but... Uh, so is that what you're doing? That just naturally happens it, here. Yeah, it just kind of happens, right? The, the the other side effect... But it doesn't happen with every team. Right. Right? I mean, it, it happens here, but there are a lot of teams that have this bell curve. I mean, they, they literally don't... Yeah. And it, I'm not saying it's good or bad. They they don't have an affinity towards similar sizing. Yeah. Well, and again, I've I've got the luxury of a large portion of this team has worked together before. So their ability to normalize as a group um, was accelerated because they aren't starting from so scratch. That's, so that makes the estimates m- more wasteful as well, mm-hmm. right? To your point, if you're good at that, if you look back, and that, and that becomes your velocity, right? right? It's like five things plus three things or whatever you want to call them. Right. Uh, and it just naturally happens, then you, you wouldn't waste that. Um so I, I think part of the goodness of the estimates is packing sprints. Mm-hmm. If you if you are sprinting or giving you insights into that, uh, planning. I think estimate. I like ta- I like estimating tasks. You know that. We mm-hmm. I think we've debated. Oh, that. you do. I don't. Yeah, and and I don't like the est. It's not the estimates. It's the flow. It's the team base. So what I'm fighting for. It's sort of like you know you like so planning poker drives the conversations. Mm-hmm. For me, tasking, what I'm fighting for is the conversations around task flow. Mm-hmm. Like, how are we going to play? If we're in, if we're playing the game of scrum, how are we as a team going to play work over the next two weeks? Mm-hmm. Right. And how would you know? Like, and you and I have some dependencies between us, but knowing the size of the task would help us sort of elegantly partner 
so that we don't have a lot of waste. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of wait, lead time and wait time and things like that. So we're, we're working together in tandem. I don't know how you do that. that, that we're going to figure that out day by day. Mm-hmm. It'll just happen in the daily stand-up. You can do that, yeah. but you may you, we may have danced inappropriately, right? Yeah. We, we may have bitten off something that we, we didn't, you know, halfway through we're going to determine we can't get it. Yeah, where, where we go with that is that we have a story kickoff. So we do tasking type work, but just kind of just in time. We don't do it as a part of planning that we do it as a story is pulled from to do and puts, puts into progress. So do you commit to a body of work for a sprint, like a sprint goal and deliver it? Yeah. Uh, so then if you plan that story out, like a story kickoff, you could have screwed the pooch on those conversations, right? And it could mess up your goal or something Mm -hmm. like that. Does that ever happen? Yeah, it does, but not to the volume where it's concerning. So it's an experienced team. So you have an yeah. experienced – maybe that's another thing with no estimates. I think estimates – I'm going to throw out that estimates help inexperienced teams. I agree completely. Right? Maybe maybe I'll throw that out there. Inexperienced teams to size work, converse around work, um, plan work, and, and agile planning. Metacasters don't – crucify me but i'm i'm just talking about you know we have a game plan we have mm-hmm. it's like a football game we have a game plan for the t- for the game mm-hmm. it's going the game is going to unfold and 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 the game plan is going to have to make adjustments but at the same time we don't walk onto the field with nothing in our yeah. pocket right, right. We, yeah. we have we have a game plan uh and we've analyzed the opposition and we analyzed our team and we have we think we can win mm-hmm. this sprint um did you like that football that was pretty good yeah. Pretty proud of you, Bob. I was trying to bring in our old Gosh. talk, that peanut butter and jelly talk, yeah. right? Man. Oh, man. I'm feeling like like Vince Lombardi or something, right? Newt Rockney. I think Newt Rockney is more your age. <laughs> uh, yeah, take that. Yeah, that, that just hurt. That, that just hurt me. Uh, but but I, I think it helps. I think new, newer or inexperienced teams. Uh, yep. Because the, for me, no estimates. I mean, an experience, and I think we've even said this on the Metacast at times. If you have a rock star freaking agile team, I, 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 as long as they're delivering the goods, I almost don't care what they do. Mm-hmm. Right? Bring in scotch, have scotch parties, have cigar parties. Yeah. As, as long as you're, as long as you're, they're principled, as long as they have collaboration and they have transparency and they have respect and they're delivering that customer value. Uh, and prioritization, if they're honoring the, pro, you know, whoever's the customer, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, quality, as long as they're building good stuff and building the right things, mm-hmm. I almost don't care what, how they do that, right? As long as they come in clothed, as long as they, they <laughs> adhere to As long them. as they meet all HR requirements. <laughs> as long as they meet all HR requirements. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I think some of the, you almost have to parse the no estimates movement to say, are, are they applying it? Is there like a look at the Shuha remodel for mm-hmm. that? And, and I suspect that no estimates works, right? You can, you can apply it everywhere, mm-hmm. but I suspect it, it probably effectively works at more sort of ha re yeah, than it does at Shuha, mm-hmm. right? And leadership has to be there. Come back to the dysfunctions. The lead, you need, and you, you sort of indirectly said it here, but you're the leader. Mm-hmm. If you were clueless, it would not be a, yeah. it might not be even the right thing here. Let's mm-hmm. say you have these, these mature teams that you're alluding to here, but, but 
you leave and someone else comes in without a clue, that may not, you know, so that's a what? That's a re-team yeah. with a shoe leader right. who, who could maliciously, you know, sort of handle the estimates or the lack thereof mm-hmm. of the team. Um, anything else around this top? No, I mean, to me, I just want to circle back on that piece is to me, the success of the no estimates approach is wholly dependent upon the culture that you have. And is there really trust and are people capable of operating without that thing to hold on to? And can they really just trust the team's going to do their thing and knock it out? And like you said, operating effectively and have all the right principles in place and, and do what they're supposed to do. Um, the problem is that oftentimes that negative culture turns good teams into bad teams. Right. So that's the, maybe I'll wrap this up. I I was just sitting here thinking of, I think I was working at channel advisor and this was probably Oh nine, Oh 10, 11, somewhere in that range of time. And there was a team that was struggling, a scrum team. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't estimate their way out of a web paper bag. They were really struggling with – it wasn't even a story point thing. It was story points. It was tasks. It was sprint execution. Mm-hmm. So they were struggling with what's the work versus the delivery. And they would bite off more than they could chew mm-hmm. uh, always. And for, for sprint after sprint. And it was it was a shoe-level team. Um, and, and we weren't a shoe level organization, but this team was really struggling with trust and, and just listening to each other, et cetera. And it was getting to the point where the estimates were, it was becoming a pissing match. People were fighting over the estimates. Mm-hmm. Uh, external people would be like, they'd be measuring the gap between what they said they would do and what they delivered. And if it was trending downward or upward, you know, they, they questioned their loyalty or their professionalism. It was get, it was really creating, tension and infighting in the team and outside the team and as a i was the leader of the organization but as a coach as well i just i said stop i said don't ask we're not i said we can't we can't estimate our way out of a wet paper bag Mm -hmm. it's just can we admit that it's like and all these little sad heads were like yeah yeah it, it sort of sucks yes and i'm like why don't we just not why don't we just bite off why don't we plan a story mm-hmm. or two? So in sprint, so for, so sprint planning, we're not going to plan a sprint. We're going to plan a couple stories and we're going to prime the pump. And then we're going to focus on what muscle memory, like, can we get those done? So we're not going to worry about tasks and time and who every day we're going to plan. How are we as a team attacking those stories until we get one done? Yeah. Then we'll bring a new story in and we'll plan it on the fly. If right. you will, meaning we'll plan it in the stand up right after the stand up or whatever, but we're not going to talk about numbers. We're not, we're going to ignore numbers. We're going to ignore velocity. We're going to ignore burn down charts. We're going to focus on just execution dynamics. And for, I think a sprint or two, that team did that. And they really got, they, they started getting their mojo underneath them. Mm-hmm. And then we brought in estimates back in. And, and I think it was healthy. So I, I, I kind of lead with that. That was a no estimates effort there. So we, I, we, we, we avoided yeah. it like the plague, uh, because it was, it was creating, I don't know if it was, it was just creating dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was that thing that it's guesses and it's really hard. And I think, and that's not what the team was failing at. They were actually failing at execution. And they were so just take it, another thing that they're already struggling with. Take that out of the game and just focus on execution. Just which is focus. What you did. Just focus yeah. on work. Just yeah. focus on work. Focus right. on work. Get good at the work. 
which will then get you. And I think the, this team, it was experience. Mm -hmm. So another problem with estimates is what if you have a new team that really doesn't understand the system? Right. Right. There are, and I think that's, if I remember properly, it was, that's what was happening with this team. So I think no estimates can be a tool that you can, so there's like the movement that says we're, we're, you know, we're either estimating or we're not. I think you can look at it somewhere in the middle sometimes. It can be like a diagnostic procedure. It can be a corrective action to mm -hmm. ignore that. Yeah. Let's focus on just getting shit done uh, as well. So I thought I'd wrap up maybe with something in the middle. No, that makes sense. Jo Josh, can we stick a fork in this? We sucker? can, a big giant one. All right. So from beautiful, am I jumping the gun? No, go ahead. Fire from away. beautiful downtown. Raleigh, North Carolina. I was confused there for just a second. It's the Alzheimer's <laughs> coming in. I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.